0: Good morning, Boulder. It's really, really good to be back. Let's pray together. Father God, uh, 2017 is coming to a close. We know you are here with us now. We know you will be here with us in 2018. God, we're excited to see what you're going to do today as we rest in your name, as we spend time in your word. We're excited for what you're going to do next year. God, in this moment... Uh, continue to be with us. Allow us to feel your presence, to understand your word, and to add value to it as you add value to us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. It's very, very good to be back. It's also very strange to be back, because there are some things that look similar. There are some things that look completely different. And that's kind of fun. Like I think it's really fun that Alex Fazio is here. And I had to tell him at one point not to put dry ice in his mouth. And now he gets to drive a car. That's different. That's terrifying. Warning, Alex. I also think it's really cool that when I left, Emmanuel was a child. And now he gets to drive a motorcycle, apparently, Thomas. And knows theology. So that's cool. I guess we'll take the good with the bad. That's good. There are things that are completely different. There are things that feel like they're exactly the same. When I left here in August, I was not sure I was ever going to come back to this place. I wasn't sure that where I was at that moment would ever lead me back here. And yet somehow it has. And that's also the stuff that I'm wrestling with right now. It's like, wow, I'm back. I left here. I could have sworn I remember leaving here. I remember standing up here with Tony when he bid us farewell with... A bunch of stuff saying that we were going to get pregnant. I can happily report we didn't. (laughs) But I feel like I shouldn't have said that out loud because we don't graduate until May. So don't tempt God. I think that might be the lesson to learn here. I want to start with this. I'm going to give you a playbook of everything we're going to do together today that starts us where we are collectively and points us to where. Maybe we could be going. Uh, I'm going to put a couple of slides up behind me. Um, they kind of just walk through. It's an analogy that I've been working on. I knew I was preaching here like three months ago, which is not really a good thing to give to a, a guy who sits in the middle of an Arctic tundra with nothing to do and nowhere to go. I just get three months to think about this sermon. So I've thought about this and overthought about this and turned it into a bunch of different things, but this is how I want to teach it today. Uh, I'm going to start with this. We're going to start with a swimming pool and we're going to be on one side of that swimming pool and we'll be on the shallow end of the swimming pool and we're going to see if we can swim to the other side together. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a visual. Uh, We'll take this first slide here that's just a really poorly drawn version of a swimming pool. Let's all strap on our imagination, shall we? So that's us at the top, okay? And In the top left corner, everybody know what that is? Stairs, good, yes, your imagination works like mine did. Then there's another one at the other end. The water seems to get bluer, darker, bluer. You know what that is on the other end? It's a ladder, yes, whoever said that. Thank you, I really appreciate that because I thought I was going to have to spend a lot of time explaining that part. This is us, okay, we're on one end. We're going to see if we can swim to the other end. Now, somebody tell me, what's the quickest way from one point to another? Straight line, right? It would look something like this. A direct line from the stairs to the ladder, right? That would be the quickest way to do it. Unfortunately, I've had three months to think about this, and I made it more complicated. I think this is how we should do it. I think we should go like that. It's going to make way more sense. Plus, in my mind, I've been taking master's level classes, and I've got this idea of how to like weave together Karl Barth and then take the Greek and see if I can spin it into the Hebrew. Because also, I've had three months of just doing studying. So rather than do all of that and just try and swim as fast as we can to the deep end, I'm going to walk us across a couple of times. And uh, let's break it down this way. There's a couple of titles that will come up here as well. So we'll cut across one way. And that's that that awkward point. Have you ever had that that moment where you're getting into a pool and you step in and you're just testing the water and it gets a little bit deeper and then it gets more and more awkward because it gets colder? That's what we're going to do. We're just going to start with that. Then we're going to touch the sides and we're going to hold there for a minute. We're just going to take our time and we're going to anchor to that first point. Then we're going to go across. We're going to come back. We're going to wade into the deep. That middle blue strip there, anybody grew up with a pool? This is also the reason why this is so poorly done is because I didn't grow up with a pool. So this is just from memory of what I think I remember. But that middle strip, anybody remember that middle strip where you're starting to walk and then, yeah, right, Janelle? It hits the slope and then you have that moment where you're just, Right? and the water goes just a little bit further than you were expecting and your toes don't touch and your feet point really sharply, that's that. We're gonna wade into the deep. Right before we get to that part, we're gonna take a break. There'll be a little, little piece where we're gonna stop. We're gonna ask a recalibration question, give you a minute to kind of recover, and then we're gonna swim the rest of the, the wall. We're gonna anchor there, gonna come back across, and then we're gonna go off the wall. That's what OTW is. We're gonna go off the wall. I'm gonna invite Eliah to come up and he's gonna tread water with us right there in the middle of the deepest part. We're just gonna tread and then he's gonna punch you in the gut just to see what you're made of. That's gonna be a ton of fun. I'm really excited for that part. Then after you've had your gut punch and see if you can continue to tread water and not drown in the middle of this pool and I will do my best to make sure we all make it together, we're going to have our moment of truth, which is I'm tired, the hurt, this is difficult, but we're gonna go back to the edge of the pool. We're gonna take one more and in the home stretch, we're gonna make it all the way to the ladder. Does that make sense? To a certain extent? Good. Anybody not know how to swim? Now would be the time to leave. I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. Now this will be fun. We will work through this together. We're going to take what Kevin started with and we're going to morph it into something else. At any given point, if you feel like, man, that's a lot. It's a lot. I'm telling you right now, the gut punch that Elijah is bringing, it's a lot, but it's a good thing and it's good for us. I brought some help. And I want you to be aware of some help. There is, in the middle of all of the pews, so if you sat in the middle here, I'm looking at you right here, this middle section, do you have something that looks like this? Yeah? Good. All right, you are my pew captains for the middle section. Okay, And everybody, let's see, Jeremy, do you have one? Good, every other row has them. You're my pew captains on this side. Over here, anybody have these? Good. Nirma's got it. Nirma's my captain over here. There's a whole bunch of them all across the rows. Anybody know what these are? Mints, good. They go by a different size. Lifesavers. Are we seeing how the. In- <laughs> you like that? I liked it too when I came up with it. These are your lifesavers. It's going to hurt at a certain point. You're going to need a little bit of comfort. I brought a little bit of extra flotation. I want you just to get used to at this point, looking across at somebody, and you're going to think to yourself, man, this is pretty heavy. I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. I want you just to nudge the person next to you, and you can give them one of these. Your pew captains will know what that means. They're going to open it up, and they're just going to give you a little something sweet just to to make everything a little bit better, just in case it gets a little heavy. it gets a little, uh, the water is getting too high. You're starting to cough a little bit. This is your lifesaver. Don't be afraid to ask for them. Not only that, I've thought... I've thought of this, I'll I'll give myself credit, and then I'm gonna take the credit away. Inside of some of the bags, there are another plastic bag. These are sugar free. I was thinking of you, in case somebody's like, I want a lifesaver, but I don't wanna die, and I don't wanna go off the wall, this is for you. Now here's, that's giving myself credit. Now let let me take that credit away. I forgot that hard candy's a thing, and so are children. So I may have forgotten to get the gummy versions of these. So all I have is the hard candy. So parents, be warned. There's a whole bunch of bags of hard candy that I just threw across the church. So (laughs) please watch your kids carefully because I left choking hazards everywhere. Bad youth pastor, that's my fault. These are your lifesavers. I'm actually gonna give these back. Kiefer, if you wanna catch these. Kiefer's another row captain. He's gonna help everybody out. If you need it, reach for it, all right? Feeling good? Everybody still afloat? Good. Let's start with this. I'm gonna start off with a recalibration question, and I haven't even done anything yet. But we're gonna start off with a recalibration question, and that means you're going to take inventory of your life right now. Take inventory. Think to yourself this recalibration question. Who or what in your life do you consider valuable? Who or what in your life? Take a minute. Think about it. What or who in your life is considered valuable? We're about to jump into the pool together. We're going to spend a little bit of time swimming together. And this is how we're going to start it. And I want you to think about that. You always do the inventory thing right before you get into the pool. Everybody's done this before. What's the, what's the thing that people are always checking for before they go into the pool? Their children. What? Did you say phone, Eliah? You have two kids. You said phone. Mercy. We're going to pray again for Eliah's sake and for everyone else's sake that may have said phone instead of children. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we're going to go swimming with you, God. We're excited to dive into your word. We're looking forward to what you have in store for us. Uh, As Kevin has already read for us in the spoken word, uh, we know that you value something, and we want to get to know that thing. We want to get to know you, and we want to feel the love that comes with it. Swim with us, God. We're looking forward to what you have in store today. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's start with this. Uh, I have been watching the live stream, so I kind of get the bolder thing that's been going on. So I'm going to use bolder words to explain an idea that I came up with before I understood the bolder way of thinking. But I'm going to go back to another slide, one uh, one from before. What's the quickest way from point A to point B? The straight line, right? So there's that, there's that the, 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 the staircase all the way to the ladder. I'm going to call that for the sake of using bolder language. That is the Duplo understanding. Yeah, fair? Again, I'm feeling like I'm back now. The Duplo <laughs> understanding. Let me give you the Duplo understanding, all right? This is the, the kid's block. Not so difficult. It's the way of just staying in the surface area. In this case, it's getting into the pool. You're definitely going to get wet, but really you're just going to hold on to the side and you're just going to keep going. It doesn't really get deep. You just sort of stay along the, the, the side. So that's what we're going to do for the Duplo understanding. Here's this. Here's your takeaway if you're nothing else. 2018 is going to be full of adversity. We know this because we lived through 2017. If we just take what kevin read this idea of the commandments and and love god and and do it well and love each other and and do it well and we take that duplo understanding 2018 is going to be tough there's going to be wars there's going to be rumors of war there's going to be ruler versus ruler empire versus empire nation versus nation we're going to have earthquakes we might have tsunamis at some point somebody's going to take a gun into a place they shouldn't and use it on people that they shouldn't We're going to survive 2018. We're going to need to love God. We're going to need to love each other. And that means doing a couple of things better than we were doing it in 2017. So that means you're going to need to make a commitment right now. If you're going to love, you need to commit to going to church. You need to commit to maybe inviting someone to go to church, but not just any regular church service. Go to the safe one. Just invite them to the Christmas cantata. That'll be the way to do it. But still bringing people into the church. You're going to need to pray for your neighbor. That's going to need to happen for us in 2018 if we're going to get through it. Your job is to make the world a better place. Love the sinner, not the sin, and we'll keep going through the way we're doing it. That's the most direct line from the staircase to the deep end of the pool. Just do it better. Let's see if we can do it better, and I think that's what the Duplo way of looking at this section is. Because we've all heard this scripture, right? This idea of love God and, and love your neighbor. If we can just apply it and do it a little bit better, I think 2018 will be a little bit easier. That's the Duplo way of doing it. But unfortunately, like I said, I had three months to work on it, and I made it more complicated. So let's see what the Technic version of this is. Let me push a little bit further as we... Start testing the waters. Let me, let me posit this as the technic understanding of this scripture. My thought is this. I posit that when Jesus says love me with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, he was not saying it to these Pharisees. He was not saying it to the lawyers, to the Sadducees, to commend them on their good work and giving it all to them. I believe Jesus says, give me all of it, because he understood that he didn't have all of them. And he would know. I think when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, I don't think he was commending this group on, man, you guys are really doing such a good job of loving your neighbor. I think instead Jesus is saying, unfortunately, you love yourself the way you love yourself, and you don't love yourself the way I love you. And if you don't love yourself the way I love you, then you're not doing a very good job of loving other people because you don't love them the way I love them. And you would understand that if you would just love yourself the way I love you. I think that's the difficult part in all of this. I don't think he's saying do it better. I think he's saying you're doing it wrong. And I think that's what he's saying to us today. So let's cut the other direction, but before we do, let's go to anchor point number one. Like I said, we're only going to go a little bit. We're just, going, we're just going across. Now we're touching the side. Everybody still with us? I didn't hear any Lifesavers bags open, so that is a good sign. Anchor point number one. Let me give you this truth. God wants to fill your life with valuables. Amen? Amen. That felt good, right? Because we just did Christmas and We got ride-on motorcycles and a Kindle fire and whatever else that Santa Claus brought you or loosely related relatives brought you, whatever it was. (laughs) Let me give you two parts to this piece, okay? This is anchor point number one, but as we swim back across the pool, let me tell you what I don't mean so that I can tell you what I do mean by this section. What I don't mean by... God wants to fill your life with valuables. What I don't mean is the prosperity gospel. Is everybody familiar with the prosperity gospel? Anybody not familiar with the prosperity gospel? It's totally fine not to know what that is. No, everybody's on? Cool, then I won't spend a ton of time on it. What I don't mean is God is going to just give you stuff. Like, "Nay, hey, Jesus, I need a new right rear tire. And just God will give it to you if you believe hard enough. What I don't mean is, I need this thing and if I pray really hard, it'll just happen. God is this like supernatural genie in a lamp and we rub it and we get three wishes and that'll fix everything. That's what I don't mean when I say God wants to put valuables into your life. Does that make sense? Because it's pretty necessary that you understand I'm not saying that and if you take that one clip from it, this is going to hurt even more later. So. What I do mean by that is that there is good news in this story. In just this little section, this little piece of scripture, which we're basically going to park ourselves and stay here. This might help too. This is another bolder thing that I've learned how to do. I looked it up. If you want to have this just open in front of you, the Pew Bible in front of you, page 918. Just leave it right there. We're not going to go anywhere past that. I'm going to talk about a couple of things, but you don't need to flip there. Page 918 in your Pew Bible will keep you right where we are. And we're just going to stay here and we're going to keep looking at it from a couple of different angles. But this idea of good news, there's good news in it even if it doesn't mean having more stuff or nicer things or newer things. It means that there is gospel truth in this section. Even though we might be doing it wrong, there's truth in it that's good for us in that There are two commandments, and God talks about them as the top two commandments. God wrote an entire section where it's just, I want you to write this down. These are super important. If you're going to forget, chisel them into rock. Whatever you need to do, carry them down the mountain. These are pretty crucial. The top two in all of that is love God and love your neighbor. That's the gospel in all of this. The good news is that there's one central point in all of it. Does anybody know what the central point of it is? Love is good. That's a good guess. But there's even something more central. Because if it's just love, like, has anybody ever seen love just, like, sitting somewhere? Like, I've seen a $20 bill that was just left somewhere. I was like, ooh, cool, $20 bill. And I took it, and I put it into the offering box, like Pastor Jessica said that we should. Right? Right. Anybody ever seen just love, like, loose love on the ground? Anybody? Anybody? Good, because it doesn't exist. Like That'd be weird. Like, oh, somebody dropped this. I'll look around, put it on Craigslist. Did anybody drop this love? Love can be central. I'm not sure who said love. It's not wrong. But the central point isn't just love in itself, because love has to have something to it. It's an action. So it has to be attached to something. So what's it attached to? Say that again. Peter, louder. You. Isn't that crazy, Peter, that we cracked open the Bible to page 918 and we found you in it as the central part? That's pretty cool. That's the central piece of this. The good news is God put the best of the best of the commandments in you, and you hold them. That is very exciting. The good news is in us because God is in us, because God put that love. Into us we can give it to other people which means giving it back to God and giving it back to the people who are around us that is the good news let's take a minute again like I said we were right before we we weighed into that shelf the the slope I was gonna ask you another question and I want you to think about this now because what we're talking about is what God meant versus what we think God said God said love me love your neighbors, I'm going to pause another term just to kind of kick around over and over again. I think what God is doing is God said I put value into you. And now I'm taking a census and I want to know what you did with it. Are you putting it where it's supposed to be? Are you giving it back to the people who need it? Are you using it the way I would use it? Let's ask this question because that's where this gets a little strange. It can get a little ethereal maybe, let's put it back into something concrete. Recalibration question number two. How do you determine the value of someone or something? How do you do it? Think about that for a second. How do you determine something's value? Because how you answer that will change how we start to go into the deep end. Because you're gonna start to swim by yourself now, you can't just tippy toe. You can't touch the bottom. You're going to have to start propelling yourself through the water. And it's going to determine how you swim, and where you swim, and how quickly you swim, and how comfortable you are in the water. How do you determine the value of something or someone? I'm going to twist what you're thinking. And maybe that'd be crazy. If you were thinking the same thing that I wrote down, raise your hand, because I want to know about it, because that would be uncanny. But let me give you this. Let's take three simple principles. Ask, seek, and knock and let me see if I could answer the way I think the Scripture is telling us that God answers this question. How do you determine the value of something? Ask this question. Is there any God in it? Like, when you look at it, when you interact with it, you, you think to yourself, man, there's something about this that feels godly. When you think about things that you own or things that you, that you do or, or people you associate with, when you have that relationship with this object When you ask the question, is there God in it, can you answer affirmatively? Maybe that's what God is saying to us when we try and evaluate the value of the things in our life. Is there any God in it? Because I would say if there's no God, then there's no good. So then you're going to have to seek. Is there any love in it? When you interact with this thing, is there any love in it? And if there is then maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a valuable thing. If there is no love, then I posit there is no value. And then you're going to knock, and you're going to ask this question. You knock on the door of the house of God, and you ask yourself, can I find this thing inside the house of God when I knock on this door and I get on the other side of it? Will I find this thing there? Will I find this person there? If the answer is yes, then it is probably very valuable. If the answer is no, and there is no God, there is no good, there is no love, there is no value. I think God is pointing us to look at ourselves, to take a census of ourselves, to take inventory of ourselves and ask, seek, and knock. And find the answers to these things, which let me challenge back to me on behalf of you, just in case. Any love, Jay? Any love? What do you mean by any love? Any God? I mean, what constitutes as some God? If it says the word God in it, does that count? If there's a capital J in it, is that close enough? If there's something that has what could be a cross on it, does that count? Maybe you're gonna have to figure that one out on your own. I can't go through each and every one of them. But any, if you're asking that question, you should probably ask the question, is it really worth asking if you have to do that? Like, yeah, but we're in this really good relationship together, and sometimes, you know, it gets violent. But he loves me. So there's some love in it. Does that mean there's value? ask that question again. Is there any God in it? When you knock on the house of God, when you go inside, do you still have that same violence? I'm not sure. I would posit, I don't think so. When you think about the things that you own and you possess that give you this inherent value and you think to yourself, yes, this gives me a status, and then you ask the question, yeah, but is there any God in it? And you're like, yeah, kind of, because, you know, I drive it to church. There's some some value. Good. When you knock on the house of God and you open God's garage door, there's a fun visual for you. Will it still be there? I don't know. I wonder whether or not it would be. Ask, seek, and knock, and maybe you will find the answer to what God is telling us when we talk about the value of something and someone. Is there any God in it? Is there any love in it? And Would I find it in the house of God. We've made it across the pool again. You got to the deep end. We're clinging to the side now again. Everybody still with us? Good, I still don't see mouths moving with lifesavers so I don't think we've gone deep enough, which is good. Sometimes it's good to reserve the things that'll help you because later they might come in handy. Let's start with this, um, anchor point number two. I'm gonna give you this piece and I'm gonna say it to be true and then I will back it up with proof. You are valuable in the house of God. You are valuable. When you ask the question, is there any God in it? The answer is yes. If we're talking about you, the answer is yes. Is there any love in it? The answer is yes, whether you want to be loving or not. Will you be in the house of God when you knock on the door and you open the door? Will you be in there? The answer is yes. God puts his valuables there. God talks about it in this scripture here. I think we can definitively say this is a truth. You are valuable in the house of God. Cling to that as we push off of the wall and we go into the deep end. Because this is where it gets a little bit hairy. This is where we go back to the scriptures and we really twist down some of the screws and see what's in there, see what this thing is made of. But don't forget, you are valuable in the house of God. I know this because let's read the section again. When you go back to page 918, what does it say when God asks for parts of you? How much of it is God asking for? All of it. All of your what? All of your heart, what else? All of your soul, what else? And all of your mind. If you were not valuable, why would God want all of it? He could ask for some, love me, some of you, a little bit of your mind, a pinch of your soul, whatever part of your heart you can spare. Or none of it, if you were invaluable to God, he would simply say, save it. If you love me, do your own thing. Build your own temple, do whatever you're gonna do. I don't need it, you don't need me. Let's just agree to disagree. But he doesn't say that. He says, I want all of you, all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. You must be valuable in the house of God because God is asking for all of it. Second of all, in the second piece of this, what does God say to love who? Love your neighbor as what? And what is inside of you? What's that thing that we don't find loose on the ground? Love, it's in you where does that love come from? God. That's pretty exciting. Has anybody ever said the name of God out loud in any of its many different versions? Yahweh, Adonai, Elohim, Jesus Christ. God gave that to you. And he said, it's the greatest name. It's the great I am. You must be valuable in the heart of God. You must be valuable in the house of God because God says, Take my name, which is more valuable than anything else, and have it, and then use it. Say it. Tell it to somebody else. God uses his name beyond all things in front of a bunch of people. He crosses in front of people in the Bible, and they have to turn their back. And he says, I put that in you, each and every one of you. You must be valuable to God because God wants all of it back. And in the time that he doesn't have it, he wants you to take him and walk it around and say it a bunch of times and let people know what's great in the world, what's great in their life. By showing them what's inside of you, you can find out what's inside of them. And some of you may be surprised to find it's the exact same thing. It's God. It's value. And it's a good thing. Unfortunately, we messed with it a little bit. Which is why God has to say it. God said, I'm going to give you a foundation. I'm going to build you this foundation. And I want you to build a temple on it for me and you to be in. And we went, cool, how do we do it? And he said, you've got the free will, you do whatever you want. And we said, great. First things first, flat screen television and a couch made of leather. Ooh, and then I'm gonna sell all of this stuff that you gave me and I'm gonna buy this stuff instead. I'm gonna put a second story on it. And I'm gonna put my name out on the front, along the mailbox. I'm going to build it up bigger and I'm going to paint it a different color. I'm going to put lights on it, but only during Christmas because it's all about you, Jesus. Then I'm going to drive a car and park it next to it in a giant garage. I'm going to make 12 different places to park my 12 different cars. And all of a sudden we buried that foundation down because we said all and we said, yeah, I want all of it. And we said, cool, you can have some because I kind of sold out to my status kind of sold out to my belongings. I kind of sold out to how I wanted to do it. The house I wanted to build. I appreciate the foundation. It'll always be there. I built my house on the rock of the Lord. I just did it my way with my stuff because I think it looks cool and it makes me feel good. So that's what I did with it. And unfortunately, the Bible gives us a bunch of stories Talk about what happened when you build something on top of that foundation that shouldn't be there. As a matter of fact, there's a piece in Genesis 19 where God comes to these four people, this family, and he says, listen, uh, this whole city thing you got going on with all of the gambling and the prostitution, you keep using my name, but... You're using it the wrong way, and I'm not really down with the way you're doing it. As a matter of fact, this thing you call Sodom and this thing you call Gomorrah, um, I'm going to rain fire down on top of it until it's just the foundation. And here's your thing, because you loved it so much, and you spent all that time building it up and filling it up with things. Uh, You're going to want to, but go ahead and don't turn around and watch me light it on fire. And if you do, and for a second you start to think, yeah, but I'm gonna turn you into a pillar of salt, a pillar of tasteless salt, because I need to burn it all back down to the foundation, because we're gonna build something else on top of it. You did it wrong, but I got a better idea.
1: Small shuttered windows, asphalt drive, and tiny garden. The fire gutted and burned it all. The house you built destroyed by arson. I'm not surprised that you're upset. can't be easy to live with nothing. This will all make sense in time. Walk away while it's still smoking. Don't forget I burned it all. You miss the point of what I'm saying with your garden hose of spring all around that thing I made it all for it to burn it all with blazing fire drop that hose and leave those coals smoldering. Remember when you asked me in I lit the fire and let you be All or nothing Don't second guess and don't back out Don't build it again You gave it up The thing is over Don't forget I burned it all with your permission. You missed the point of what I'm saying with the garden hose of spring all around that thing. I meant it all to burn it all with blazing fire. Drop that hose and leave those coals smoldering. Hey. I made you intending to build you a temple instead So why are you frantic and shaking and ranting Making a scene again don't forget it You've been forgiven The temple's for you and for me A temple to live in So look what you're defending Look what you're defending So don't forget I shouldered all of your convictions You miss the point of what I'm saying Standing and waiting, slowing down this thing I meant it all to cleanse you all with holy fire So drop that hose and leave those cold So, would you answer me this question after the temple building session? What's worth saving? this house of yours, on the shelves and in cabinet drawers.
0: getting to the deep end and it's tough and it's difficult to answer that question you are valuable in the house of God and when we ask the question is there any God in it it's hard to struggle when we find out the answers no not really yeah but is there any love in it no not really Do you think it'll be in the house of God when you go and knock on its door? No, not likely. And that's difficult because we have these houses of ours that we filled with things that we think are valuable. And unfortunately, because we think they're valuable, it's harder to find out that they are also flammable. The good news is this, you are fireproof. You are fireproof, and that is amazing. So that when these fires happen, we don't actually have to lose our value because God has stored it inside of us. You are fireproof. But unfortunately, some of your relationships and some of your stuff isn't. It's when we decide to choose love over hate that we realize that we are fireproof. When we decide that we are going to heal the people who hurt us, instead of hurting them in return, we realize we are fireproof. When we decide when somebody strikes at us and we turn the other cheek, you become fireproof. If you walk that extra mile, if you decide you're going to actually give all of it to Jesus, and Jesus meant all of it, and I mean all all of it, you become fireproof because the value's in you and you can't actually catch that on fire. Anchor point number three, and this is the tough one, because you have value and because there's value in God's house, that means something else because it's not just the first part. It's the second part. And the second part of the verse says you gotta love other people. So here's the third truth. God is calling you to add value to his house. And that means taking all that cool stuff that you think is valuable and using it to bring people into God's house so that he can instill his value in them and then we fill it. It's having a really cool church and bringing people into it on any given Sabbath. It's taking these things and using them in our extra funds and our extra time. I know Japheth has been challenging you all to spend an hour doing ministry with the staff here. And it's actually doing that. That's really rough because there's so many cool things there's a Nintendo and you take the, the, the joysticks off and you could walk around and there's a screen and that's way fun. I want to do that. I've saved up this money and I'm going to buy this thing that's going to make me feel stronger, faster, wiser. I want that thing. And what's really difficult is God goes, I don't know. I don't remember putting a CrossFit gym in my house. So I don't know why you keep trying to bring one into it. I don't know why you keep trying to park that here. I don't know why you keep trying to bring that sorry excuse for a relationship here because I've taught you the right way to do it that's full of love and full of me and full of good and it exists here. You don't need to bring that counterfeit stuff inside. And it's rough. And it's going to hurt. But the reality is this. Look back on 2017 and ask yourself, do we want to do that again? Because when we really get down to it, we can keep arguing until we're blue in the face. Who's better at keeping the Sabbath on our Facebook pages and our Instagram feeds If we want to, we can do that again. We can figure out whether it's more important to vote with your political affiliation rather than moral conviction. We can do that again if we want to. We can spend all of our time doing the thing we did before and try and make it just a little bit better because we'll do it with love this time. We could. Or we can try and do something different. And we can just say, get the matches. Burn it. Let's see what the foundation looks like. I can't remember. I built on top of it so long ago, I forgot what it looked like. Let's light it on fire. Let's leave all of that behind. Let's do something else with 2018. God's calling you to add value to his house, not yours to his name, not yours, to his status, not yours. That's the calling here, and that's the hard part, but when you take into consideration the truth is God put his value in you, you don't just get to sit back. You gotta play the game, and you gotta do it better than you did before, and he's not patting you on the back. He's asking for more of it, the rest of it, the part that you gave to something else, the part that you sold for something else, the part you gave to that other person who has no business holding it, get it back, give it to God, that's what God is asking you to do. That's what he's asking me to do. That's what he's asking this church to do. Because 2018 could be something else, if we wanted. If we wanted to say, let's not just do that whole like blessing thing at the end of the bulger church service like we always do where we sit politely and we let somebody like tell us stuff and we go yeah that's good that's good whoever wrote that that's good that's primo blessing <laughs> and it is but let's review it before we do it later my wife's going to come up at the end and she's going to do the blessing for us for the last time in 2017 let's take it let's build something on top of that Let's get rid of all the stuff that we have at home and just build on top of that. The blessing talks about this idea of of gentleness and a tender heart and strength and compassion and caring, courage, daring, openness, understanding, respect, power. You have all of that. It's in you. And it's a good thing. And it's in God's house. And it's meant for us to share with other people. And unfortunately, that's it. Because the blessing ends intentionally. It's Jesus. All. All. Those things will help you get there. And you can build on top of them. And God wants to help you do it. It's going to cost you a little bit of status and then a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more until you don't have any of it. And then it's going to cost some of your resources and then a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more until you've sold them all and all you're doing is following Jesus. And then it's going to take your time and it's going to start with an hour every week and it's going to be a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more Until we're working together to do ministry in this city, in this state, in this nation, in this world. To take that thing that's in us and give it to everybody else while we give it back to God, just like he told us to. Not because we were doing it right, but because we were doing it wrong. God's taking a census and he wants it back. The good thing is this. God wants to put valuable things into your life. God wants you to have nice things. And if what we do with our nice things is have them, then all we will ever have is nice things. I think the problem is, this thing that God tells us to do, which is to give it all to him, and give all of us to him, that's the reason why we can't have nice things. That's what 2018 could be. As we close 2017, let's finish on this. We reach the ladder. You can get out of the pool. You made it. No one drowned, and that's a good thing. But recalibrate on these two questions for a minute. Who or what is adding value to your life that deserves more precedence? in 2018 and then levy it with this who or what is subtracting value from your life and you need redemption from in 2018 chew that this week work through that ask god for answers in that because 2017 is now in the past and 2018 is directly before us God wants us to give it all to him. And instead, we're going to take gentleness and a tender heart. We're going to take strength, compassion, caring, courage, daring. We're going to take this openness. We're going to build this understanding. We're going to handle it with respect. We're going to take this power that we have, and we're going to give it back to God. And then we're going to understand what power is. Then we're going to understand what goodness is. Then we're going to finally realize That's what we are called to do. And we got a year to do it. So let's get busy.